0: Ah, helps when I have the mic turned on. Welcome! I'm Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink. And Aaron will be joining us momentarily. Um, So, this was debate night number one. It's the day after... Bum, bum, bum. And boy, what a horrible shouting match that was! It was painful to watch. I don't think you could be on either side of the aisle and say that was a pleasant experience. Um, you know, I, I, you know, there will be liberal people saying that this shows that Trump is non-presidential and unab- unable to maintain his his anger, and and Republicans will say this was Biden not able to assert himself and and behaving like he was, you know, mentally incompetent and unable to handle the pressure and America looked at two elderly gentlemen and said, "Why do we have to handle the pressure?" quite frankly. Um, you know, I I it, you've got one gentleman who's 74, another who's 78 and um and I think neither of them <laughs> neither you know it you you wish that your ballot had a marking box for none of the above quite frankly it it just that was just that awful um and uh you know time will tell time will tell i mean you know it's going to shake out um uh, i know there are people who say i don't like the way trump behaves but you know prior to covid the economy was trucking along and i was doing well and so for that reason he's going to get my vote there are those who are saying uh i've had enough of this i've got to We've got to have a change. And they're and, and they're going to give their vote to to Biden. And, um, you know, and then there'll be further others that'll say, you know what, it's time to look at a third party. But I just there's not been a viable third party candidate in this country. Um, you know, perhaps the closest thing to a third party candidate that made sense in in, in modern history was um, when. Um, um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting the guy's name. The little guy who had all the charts, and uh, he was the rich guy who, who basically uh, uh, took a lot of, of um, uh, conservatives away from the first George Bush and and helped put Clinton in office. And and he ended up getting about 20% of the vote. Now I'm completely blanking on the man's name. Um, but, uh, yeah, see, I must be having early-stage dementia too, right, because I can't think of a guy's name from 20 years ago. Um but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I bump humble quite as much as, as Mr. Biden does in terms of my expressing myself. But, you know, hey, there are those who maybe do think I do. It's 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 interesting. It's real interesting to hear different people's opinions on what they saw last night. I watched the debate with my my lovely wife and, um, you know, and she saw some things a little differently than I did. And it was interesting to, to discuss it and say, what did you see? Both of us walked away sort of exhausted and irritated at the whole process, though, because of the way it went down. It was just ugly. Um, and the thing is, is, I don't know that there's a way to fix that, you know, because I don't know that Trump is going to come out and debate in a traditional way. He's going to be who he is. He's going to argue and and talk over and interrupt and... uh and that's just the way he's going to do it. That's who he is. That's the way who, he, who he's always been. And for anybody to expect him to behave differently or to change his methodology that's worked so well for him, I mean, it got him to the presidency, uh, I think they're, they're fooling themselves. So, um, you know, time will tell. It'll be very interesting, like I said, to just see what happens in the next one. We've got the vice presidents on the 7th of October and then the presidential debates. Uh, there's one scheduled for the 15th and one scheduled for the 22nd, and we'll see if those – happen and how they play out you know um, it's going to be an interesting October politically anyway to see how that all happens um, but uh, yeah that was ugly I, I really 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 wanted to watch it you know I had talked very specifically about not not paying any attention to the nominations because that's all political theater and last night was if, if, if they're nominating uh, speeches or political theater then last night was was uh, a political atrocity and uh and you know, I guess you, you you get what you vote for, right? So um on on a happier note, or on at least a more uh, entertaining note for me, um I have been watching the HBO series Raised by Wolves. Now this is a sci fi story that was done by Ridley Scott. He directed uh the first two episodes and then is handed off directing reins to others as he goes forward, but he's the, he's still the executive producer and the producer behind it, and he storyboards each of the scripts, uh, and he has a very specific way of storyboarding. There's a very nice little uh, extra that you can go watch of how he kind of um, thinks through his processes. He's very visual thinker, and so he sketches out how each shot of each uh, episode is going to be laid out visually, and then they build that, And do it practically. The other thing that he likes to do is do, um, he he uses CGI as an addendum in his stories, but he likes to do practical effects. And so, you know, if you see somebody get knocked backwards, they're not going to be like replaced by a CGI flying backwards. They're going to, uh, you know, actually have a stunt person who gets knocked backwards. And so there's an element of realism and grittiness to a lot of what Ridley Scott does, just sort of in his methodology and his style. And uh, it's really well done. It's really well written. It's a different, um, I mean, it's a dystopian future, but it's a different telling than I have seen in other sci-fi things. And so it is not a, um, just a retelling of another sci-fi story that we've all seen and heard before. It's, it's a little bit new twist on it, a little bit different take. And I'm enjoying it immensely. There are nine episodes. Um, I believe the, the last episode comes out this Friday, October 1st. Man, we're there already, October 2nd. Uh, Yeah, it's October 2nd, this Friday. Hard to believe, isn't it, that we're into October already. Uh, Today is the 30th. Tomorrow is October 1st. And so, you know, as we get past hump day, uh, we'll be coming into October. October. What a weird year 2020 has been. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's been odd. You know, it's funny too because we talk about the the lockdowns and what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do, um, and and then you know there's people protesting by behaving in in ways they're uh, not socially responsible. You know, running around um, without masks when they're in large groups and uh, and basically marching in the streets protesting anything. And there are people on on both sides of the aisle out doing protests. And again, some wearing masks, some not wearing masks, um, you know, and uh, I wish that we could get a an unadulterated filter of here's what the risks are and here's the best way to mitigate them. And then, you know, it's sort of up to you so that, so, you know, so that, uh, you know, you don't feel like you're, you're being told by the government how you have to behave. Um, and I think we're getting a lot of that right now. Um, you know, and we're slow. where I'm living, they're slowly starting to open things back up. They've allowed hair salons and nail salons to open up. And I uh, was uh, walking to my grocery store the other day and walked past a nail salon that's in the same little complex. And there was people in there getting their nails done. Um, and, uh, you know, it's whether you think that that's important or not, it gives people a sense of normalcy. It gives them a sense of, you know, being able to take care of themselves a little bit. And, uh, you know, that has a lot to do with people's sort of mental outlooks and positiveness. And so um, you've got to move forward. If you want to be completely cynical, if you want to be completely cynical, the uh, um, uh, uh, liberal-leaning states should just open everything up and say, fine, do what you want to do. Um, the ones that are going to go and do what they want to do mostly are going to be sort of the conservative libertarian slanted people. And so they're the ones who are going to get sick. There'll be less of them to vote because there will be a higher percentage of them catching the disease because they are behaving in ways that are are um, more likely to spread viruses in in a lot of instances. Um and, and that's cr- incredibly cynical and incredibly, um, uh, you know, um, lacking in any uh, empathy for people. Um, but, you know, at some point, we don't need the baby state. We don't need uh, the nanny state. And, and uh, you know, I think there's a good number of us out there who are wishing that they would get over themselves so that we can get on with our lives and make decisions for ourselves as to how much risk we're willing to take. Um, You know, that said, do, you know, the flip side might be that, hey, there's people who uh, don't want to be put in a position where their employer says you have to come back and do this or you lose your job. And you're, what they're asking you to do is work in an environment that you feel is not safe to you um, based on the information that you have. And, Therein lies part of the issue is that we've got experts with conflicting opinions. I mean, you know, we had a psychiatrist today say that she saw early stage dementia in Joe Biden and that uh, and she was completely befuddled as to why he didn't show more of that during the debate and assumed that he must be taking some sort of uh, drugs or had some sort of, um, you know, mechanical assistance or electronic assistance in 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 his framing of things while he was on the stage last night and suggested that he should uh, that both candidates should have uh you know blood tests before they go on to verify that they're not getting some sort of uh chemical enhancements to be able to keep their focus and uh you know that's exactly the line that um that the Trump supporters have been pushing about about Biden and you know, she's a psychiatrist. There are other people who are, and psychiatrists are medical doctors, MDs. You know, there are other people who are also psychiatrists who would say that's ridiculous and that, that you know, that that's just a, a playing into somebody else's political attack. Um, you know, that said, anybody listening to the man talk have seen him meander through a conversation into areas that don't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and, yeah, we've all done it. Uh, we've all talked and uh, and not necessarily come to a good point at times um, you know especially somebody you know who's does it a lot you know I, I talk on the radio a lot and on this podcast a lot and there's times when I don't frame my thoughts and my ideas well but you know to do it with a consistency that, that Biden has done certainly brings questions to his you know how lucid is he all the time and how how, how much of a grasp of you know, getting to a point does he have? Um, So, you know, I guess each of us have to judge for ourselves as to what we saw and what we didn't see. Um, You know, uh, Aaron, when she comes online, very much saw him bum-fumbling around. Uh, My wife felt like he bum-fumbled around a lot. I didn't see anything there that that bothered me any more than it it normally has with him, Um, which is to say it bothered me because I don't like it, but I have issues with the fact that both of our our candidates are, are... you know, in their 70s. And, you know, I I love my father dearly, but I've seen his mental acuity slow down as he's been in his 70s and now approaching his 80s. So about the same age. All right, here's Erin. Hello.
1: Hi. Sorry, a little little bit later than normal. I got held up at, at KCAA.
0: That happens. No worries. I just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. talked. (laughs) You are
1: listening to me talk. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now you know I kind of rehashed a little bit of what we had talked about um, uh, about the the horrors uh, the the horror show that was the debate, and then um, uh, basically put down the entire state of Florida and Miami again, because the Lakers are going to kick their butts tonight. And, um, um, actually, you know, I just hope for a good game. That's what I always hope for. I mean, I want the Lakers to win. Obviously I'm a fan and I, uh, unabashed fan of the, of the Lakers. And, and, but, but more than anything else, I just want good competition. I, I, enjoy watching a good game. I like the anxiety that's produced by games that aren't decided in blowouts in the first, you know, half of the game. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'd like it to be a battle. Um, You know, an epic battle. And to be honest, I mean, the Miami one has a lot of undertones because Pat Riley is their general manager and, you know, he's the one who brought LeBron to Miami when they won, when he won his first NBA championship. So they have history. And obviously Riley was the coach of the Lakers during, during, you know, Kareem and Magic's era. And so there's history there and there's a lot going on there. Uh, I was kind of pulling for the Celtics to beat Miami just because I wanted a classic Celtics Lakers finish. Uh, you know, uh, unlike a lot of Laker fans, my second favorite team is the Celtics. I want them to win all the time so that that's who we get to beat when we get to the finals. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll take a win over Miami too. (laughs)
1: Awesome.
0: (laughs) So, so, so there, I've now rehashed it for the third time. (laughs) For the third
1: time. Yeah. So, um... Oh, it's going to be 105 today
0: yeah very very last, toasty here in the southland
1: yeah I, uh, so, but unlike you know, the last
0: heat wave this one's going to be shorter it's only a couple days and then it should start cooling down again a little bit so so we'll we'll muddle through as we always do so I, uh, I
1: want to give a shout out to an event that ah! Making Hope Happen foundation is yeah, there you go is having and I need to I, I should have done this on the radio show as well and I will next week. Uh, we're doing our we do we're doing another virtual race. It is called the Homecoming Hustle. And mm-hmm. uh, the last race that we did, which was going the social distance, um, we were raising money for the Making Hope Happen Foundation and for the uh, Arrowhead United Way for their COVID fund. This time we're raise, raising money again for the foundation, Making Hope Happen Foundation, and then the uh, nine high schools in the San Bernardino City Unified School District. So, um we are calling all alumni friends and people who just want to be active and and to get out there and you have it's only 40 dollars. there's one price you can pick whatever distance you want um and you know i'm going to do the quadzilla again and um uh you get out there join the join a high school team and help raise money for them or uh you can just join the making hope happen foundation team um and when when i say raise more money so for for uh the team the high school team that has the most adult runners, because students are $5, they're basically at cost. So the ones that have the most adult runners, they will get $1,000 for their ASB. And ASB is student funds. It's funds that, mm-hmm. that they can use for Associated prom student, student body. Yes. So they can use for prom or pep rallies or whatever ASB, you know, the students in ASB decide to spend the money on and A $1,000 will go a long way. So... Um, The team that has, if they bring in 500 and for every 500 adult runners on a given team, they will get a, somebody from their school will get a $5,000 scholarship to go to college. um, uh, uh, The graduates of uh, 2021 graduates of that school, Um, they will get 25% of all of the registration fees for their school. So if they get Mm -hmm. a hundred people to register um, then they will get ten uh, percent or twenty-five percent. So it's ten dollars per every. Because um, it's forty dollars, twenty-five percent would be ten dollars. So ten dollars for every registration. You know, mm-hmm. if they, you know, you can do the math. It's pretty straightforward. If they get a hundred, um, uh, they'll, you know, a hundred registrations, uh, they'll get ten percent of that. So, hang on a second, I'm driving. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, anyways. And, Job they,
0: one, stay and, on the road, stay safe.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if they bring in, they get 10% of the um, uh, sponsorships that they bring in. So say there's a, a football booster, a car dealership that likes to support a football team, and they bring in that sponsorship, they'll get a percentage of that as well. So, um, you know, this is, we're, we're out there trying to be active and connected. Everything is so disconnected now. And the thing that I really like about this Atlas Go app, which is the app that we use for our virtual races, is there's this whole back end that you can that you're encouraged and we'll give prizes for the best ones to post sweaty selfies, so take a picture mm-hmm. of you know, of yourself after you walked or run or you know, hiked or whatever you did and people can cheer you on and share it. There's a leaderboard. It's, yeah, it's that
0: makes a really for a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, there was a lot of great ones our nephew had some fantastic photos last time we did this he, did. He, he he took lots of had a lot of fun with it and used filters to distort and twist his face and just it, lots of u- unique and creative ways to take selfies i took pictures of t-shirts from from old tv shows or even some current tv shows so i had i had t-shirts from um uh, stranger things and and star wars movies and, and things like that so i always took my selfie, you know, back at it a little bit so you could see what shirt I was wearing, and it was—I was always funny to see like when people made comments whether they re- recognized the shirt or not. If anybody made comments, because there were some that people didn't pick up on, others they got. Um, so, anyway, it'll, uh, it's just it, a lot of fun. It,
1: it, is, is, it is, it is, and it's
0: an excuse to to get out and move around, and and you know, heaven knows we all need that these days.
1: What? funny because it's like well i gained the covid 15 holy not i didn't but like you know somebody gained the, the covid 15 and oh my gosh we're going into the holidays i gotta do something yeah we got the perfect outlet for you
0: absolutely outlet
1: and we get you'll get people cheering you on people doing it with you um you know it's just it's just a it's just a great fun thing to do and a way to connect everybody when we're all socially distancing mm-hmm.
0: yeah so, yep absolutely Absolutely. You know, earlier we were talking about Mac Davis and um, and Helen Reddy and uh, and their passing. And uh, I happened to see another article about a musician in there, and it was interesting because it was Paul McCartney talking about the fact that he was really happy that he and John Lennon had reconciled prior to John Lennon's being uh, killed, and that that's one of the things that he um, really was, you know, happy about. That he would hate to have all the, you know, these years later. St- Known that they had, you know, that they had never gotten back together and talked through some of their frustrations and differences, and it took them almost ten years after the Beatles broke up to do that. But wow. it's just funny because he was talking about how he, he, um, how his memories also tend to change you know, his perspective of some historical things like, you know, during the recording of Let It Be, the Beatles were essentially arguing about their business. And and, and that during that time is when they sort of broke up and and left each other. And apparently there's like 58 hours of outtake video from the Let It Be sessions that Peter Jackson, yes, that Peter Jackson, is going through to put together a brand new documentary on the Beatles and and, uh, the Beatles during that era. Wow. And he said he sat down with Peter Jackson and expected Jackson to go, well, it's all pretty dark. There was a lot of arguing and you guys weren't happy, obviously. And Jackson said, no. He goes, he says, the vast majority of it is you guys laughing and cracking jokes and just being, you know, friends, hanging out in the studio and talking through stuff. And uh, and he said, you know, he showed him a few pieces of it. And he, and he, he, he said, really made him smile and forgot that. Oh, yeah. He says, you know, we we were. First and foremost, friends. We had been friends and buddies since since grade school, um, uh, and uh, you know, and and we forget about that. Yep. He says, you know, I forgot. I remembered, I remembered the ugly and the breaking up because that was so much like a, a divorce from my family at that point in time. That that's what I remembered, and I kind of bought into this. You know, the Beatles were so acrimonious, and and, and he says that's what I remembered. Uh, but seeing that video, he goes. It, it all came back to me. It was like how much fun we had working together and laughing and cracking jokes and you know laughing at the world who was you know looking at us in a fishbowl, and uh, and hey, so I, know, I, I, that was nice.
1: That is, you know, I wish I wish that they had stuck it out. It might. It would have been interesting to see where mm-hmm. their music would have taken them. Yeah. Had they had they been able to work through it and not divorce
0: yeah well, the implication was that they had kind of gotten back together and and had, were talking to each other and being friendly again and remembering their friendships and and the fondness for that time, and that there was a possibility that something might have happened had John Lennon not been shot in nineteen eighty and obviously then George Harrison later you know died of cancer. Um, but uh, you know nineteen eighty was was ten years after, and at that point, You know, I think they were ready to talk to each other and maybe even do something together again. And it was implied, I mean, he didn't come out and say that, that they had talked about it. And he has said that during that time, after they had sort of reconciled, they were hanging out together in New York at one time, and they were watching Saturday Night Live. And I think John Belushi came on, and he pulled $75 out of his wallet and says, I've got $75 here for for any two Beatles who will show up on set. And the two of them looked at each other. And said you want to do it, and the other one said, "No, nah, it's it's in like midnight. I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to go down there." But it would have been it would have been awesome if John that Lennon and Paul McCartney fantastic. walked in and said, "Give me the seventy five bucks."
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would have looked like a bit like they had planned
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been so great. You know, it'd be one of those those clips that would have been played over and over and over. Um, it almost reminds me of the Saturday Night Live that how they did it. I don't know, but they convinced. Um, Uh, Paul Simon to open the show singing still crazy after all these years in a giant chicken suit. (laughs) Have you seen clips of that? I don't remember that. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, Paul Simon and, and, and halfway through the song, he sort of stops singing and he walks, he goes, this, this isn't working. This isn't working. And he goes walking out and the the camera follows him as he walks past Lauren Michaels and back to the, to to the (laughs) the studio with his head hanging low going, you know, I can't believe I did this. And and you know that was all kind of a setup, but it was funny. It was so funny. You know, I mean, and the perfect song, right? Still crazy after all these years, and you're standing there in a chicken suit. You know, it's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of those early um Lives were so inventive. Some of them were, were just, you know, flat and duds. I mean, some you know that show's always been that way. Sometimes it just, the jokes don't land. But uh, especially some of the early one, earlier ones, because there had never been anything quite like Saturday Night Live, so they were sort of making their own, you know, structure a- as they went along. And so things that worked, they came back to, and things that didn't work, you know, basomatic. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, hey, we got uh, we got a two minute spot to fill. Remember that basomatic thing you pitched? Go for it. Yeah, <laughs> Go for it. And land
1: shark.
0: Yeah. Land shark. <laughs> who's there and the pizza heads pizza guy (laughs) i didn't order any pizza land shark yeah
1: so stupid
0: yeah it really was it was dumb i mean it was just ridiculous but they did it and it and and they they and they bought into it you know um and you know once in a while there'd be somebody them or a guest who were somebody who would just like just break down in the middle of it, which is some of the best parts of live stuff. You know, it's like the old Carol Burnett shows, you know, where you would sit there and you'd watch them and you'd see like Tim Conway do something and then you'd see the faces of everybody else in the bit just suddenly they're like biting their lips, trying not to start laughing out loud, you know, because he would go off on a tangent and and just start cracking them up. Uh, And I remember uh, listening to an interview with Harvey Korman from, from the Carol Burnett show and he said, yeah, that was sort of the goal. We took turns saying, you know, like who could Get Carol to break up in the middle of a scene, and uh, and so we would just plot that. You know, we would all week long we'd be prep, prep, uh, prepping for the show, and uh, and then we'd pick one bit and say, okay, this is the one we're going to get her. Let's <laughs> see if we can get her to, to, to just bust out laughing, you know. And uh, and and live TV that's something that you can do, and it's one of the cool things. You know, it's it's like live music. You know, seeing live music is just different than listening to studio stuff and there's some amazing beautiful things that come out of studios but real musicians sitting down and making music is is just a joy a joy have you ever watched uh live from daryl's house no it's a web series that has now been picked up on access tv so you have to have access tv AXS tv which is owned by way by the way by the dallas mavericks owner uh mark cuban um the 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 network but if you don't have access tv you can google it because he, he puts his episodes online as well and it's Daryl hall from hall and oats and what he does is his band which is basically his touring band and basically the backing band for hall and oats for the most part um uh comes to his house or to his restaurant in upstate new york and and then they invite musicians current musicians past musicians uh they had um um uh, Jason Mraz on uh, recently they had Sammy Hagar on um, you know he he's had um, uh, just uh, lots of different people of different genres of music CeeLo Green did an episode with them and they come on and they sing some of their songs and then they sing some of his you know and and you see them working out how they're going to like you know Uh, split up the vocals and where they're going to harmonize and how they're going to do it. And they're all just exceptional musicians and it's fun to watch them just sit there and play around and putter around. And uh, yeah, I think it's kind of cool.
1: It sounds like fun. I need to check it out. I I know you've mentioned it before and Mm -hmm. I just, I just forget. Honestly, when I watch YouTube, this is, I like watching Dr. Phil because it's kind of mindless. Um, and you, listen, you know, I, I, I love Dr. Phil. I do. And maybe it's the Texas accent, you know, because my, you know, my family's from Texas. <laughs> Your or roots. I don't know, but I enjoy, I enjoy Dr. Phil and his kind of no nonsense approach. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I'm, when I'm just vegging and, and watching YouTube videos, it'll be usually it's Dr. Phil.
0: <laughs> yeah. When I watch YouTube, it's usually musicians of some, uh, in some fashion or another and a lot of times it's musicians just tinkering around. I like music, and that's the closest thing to live music that you can get is them sort of not putting together a highly produced thing. It's them in a studio or them at a microphone, and sometimes it's one, sometimes it's five people, but, you know, it's uh, I enjoy that, and that to me is entertainment, and so I like seeing them, you know, play with their songs a little bit and, uh, and you know, exercise their musicianship. And, uh, so that's usually what I find. And I like this series in particular, but, uh, but there's lots of things like that you can find online. Plus there's lots of concert footage too. So if you just want to see them play, the nice thing about Daryl's house is they actually stop and talk about what they're doing in between sometimes. And so that's cool. And then he's added recently a feature too, so that, um, uh, or maybe he's had it the whole time. I don't know. But anyway, usually they, they cut away to a kitchen somewhere and they talk about what their favorite meal is. And so the, uh, the guest either they'll have a guest chef or the guest will actually cook like they uh for unusually when they were with Sammy Hagar instead of doing it at Daryl's house in um in uh New York they went down to Cabo so they flew the whole band down to Cabo and they were at Sammy's Cabo Wabo Retreat Resort and oh. Sammy actually had him in the kitchen and cooked basically um garlic and uh and spicy shrimp that were you know fresh off the thing there it's interesting he says he makes his own salt for the restaurant they take seawater and dump it on these big like black marble slates and let it dry he says it takes about three days and then he scrapes it off and he says i make the i make the uh, salt at home and then i bring it into the restaurant because his house is right on the beach wow yeah he said the place was built
1: down there I, I, i i'm curious
0: yeah, I've never been there either. The place looks cool. He said when he had the place built, he told the architect he wanted it to be 3,000 square feet because it was just, you know, he said, I wanted a little bit of a studio space for some, like, people to play acoustic sets and stuff. Um, and he says, I wanted it to be kind of intimate. And he says, I'm glad that there was a, a mistake when we were talking because I would have had to rebuild it and make it bigger a couple times in order to make it work. When he said 3,000 square feet, the architect made it 3,000 square meters. And so says, it's much bigger than I thought it was going to be. But as it turns out, that's the right size for a space. So it's a 10,000 square foot restaurant and and uh, and stage, you know, which when you think of it as a commercial space, that's not that giant. But it's much bigger than like a nice little intimate house size place. <laughs> and he, he, and then we're not talking about his house. I'm talking about his 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 Cabo Wabo restaurant and resort.
1: Right. And that's what I was, that's what I was thinking about too. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but. I, I've, I've actually not, uh, I've not been down to any of the Mexican resorts. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, I eventually want to, I don't know that it's terribly safe at the moment. Um,
0: yeah, it has been for a while. It's been a real question mark. I went down when my daughters were in like, uh, middle school, uh, with them to do some some missionary work. We helped build some houses and uh, and uh, and worked at a um, uh, children's uh, orphanage while we were down there. And I know that when my youngest daughter was in eighth grade, she went down as a seventh grader. But when they in eighth grade, they canceled the trip because it wasn't safe. And that was quite a while ago. And so you know, there's still issues of safety in traveling to Mexico, which is sad. It is sad. You know, but you don't want to go down there as the uh, rich American with a target on your back either.
1: No, no. And I say no.
0: rich American very sarcastically because I mean well, we're certainly there, not, but comparatively speaking, yeah. You know, the people we were
1: that all of us in America are rich, and, right? And a lot of the world thinks that it's not true, but a lot of the world thinks mm-hmm.
0: that. Well, we were going down to the south side of Ensenada and some of the people whom who we were building houses for were literally living in. A home that was the size of my shack out back studio that was put up with pieces of plywood, yeah, uh, and that's yeah. what they're you know dirt floors and pieces of plywood, my shack out back is better finished than their homes um, you know, and that's sad, that's sad to think that there were families living in that space um,
1: yep and and in many places in the world that's normal,
0: you, yeah. know, you
1: spend all of your time outdoors, the only thing you do indoors is sleep,
0: yeah. Yeah, and that's what, you know, a lot of them had, like, a little bit of a a out hanging. you know, when they built their little shack, there was a little space that made kind of like a patio area, and they would literally build a fire there and and cook, you know, over that fire. I mean, it was like they were camping all the time, that they cooked outside their front door, and everybody basically slept inside on the shack, you know, and snuggled together to keep warm. And that's, you know, horrifying, but...
1: I think that every American needs to spend time abroad mm-hmm. to see how the world actually works and yeah. how, you know, because we, we are, our perspective is skewed. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that our, our, our challenges, our problems, whatever, aren't real, but that, you know, a, a, a healthy dose of perspective can change the way you approach problems, right? It mm-hmm. changes how you, how you, um, how you perceive your place in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah there are um you know there's different levels of of need right and uh you know when you're living in a in a in a dirt floor shack and you have to you know walk down to the beach to find some running water and and a place to rinse the dirt off uh and clean up um you know your needs are different than than somebody who who has a house and a water and a full refrigerator and and indoor plumbing and, you know, and a bed to sleep in. I mean, they're just different, different needs. And it's not yep. to say that there's lot, not lots and lots of people in Mexico who have all of that. And, you know, but we were talking about some of the poorest of the poor that we were trying to right. help
1: no, uh, no, while we Mexico were down there. So I'm not a vibrant city. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. With lots of healthy, uh, wealthy, educated people. Let's right.
0: Speak. And this is Ensenada. I mean, it's, it's right. if you if you've been to Ensenada it's a city. I mean, if you going down the streets and stuff, other than the fact that everything's written in Spanish, you know, it looks just like walking through certain areas of LA. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, you wouldn't know the difference in certain neighborhoods between the United States and, and, but this was sort of on the south side, on the outskirts of the city where there were a lot of poor people who were living, you know, I mean, we, we were specifically seeking out people who needed help and we were trying to provide that for them through the church. And so, um, you know, It was it was something that made me feel good, like we were doing we were helping somebody in some little way. And, uh, you know,
1: I want to give a debate follow up uh, really quickly. Last night, um, Joe Biden made the claim that Kellyanne Conaway told him that that it's a good thing for American cities to be, um, you know, being burned down because it helps the Republicans. And he said that Kelly or something like that. Kellyanne Conway Mm -hmm. tweeted out, thanks for the debate. Shout out creepy, sleepy, weepy Joe. But you lied and don't sniff my hair either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, yeah. When he when he called out that thing, I mean, you know, she has said some things, but she has always been a very I mean, even when she's left, she's been a a, a very loyal Trump supporter. And it didn't, didn't jibe with what what he was trying to say that she said, I think he was misattributing to some other person because there's been plenty of people who have left Trump's circle of friends that have had less than polite things to say about him in, in retrospect because they're no longer in the inner circle. Um, you know, but she isn't one of them. She, uh, uh, left of her own accord. And I think that had she wanted to stay, Trump would have happily had her still there talking on, you know, on the news shows on Sundays for him. Um, you know, she's in a weird situation, though, too, because her husband has been a, a loud critic of Trump. And so, you know, you've got to sometimes manage your home relationships if you want to keep those relationships. Right. Yes. And so, um, you know, it's one of those weird situations. Um, you know, there's, it's not the the first time that we've seen fairly um, well-known political bedfellows that are uh, have opposing views. Um, so, you know, James people. And
1: Mar- and, um, Mary, Mary Madeline.
0: Wood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they they managed to make it work.
1: Not Conway Carvel. It was
0: yes, Kelly that's right, James Conway. Carvel. James yeah,
1: Carvel and Mary
0: Madeline. Yeah, Carvel. we were just talking about Con- Kellyanne Conway. So Conway yes. and Carvels, and you know,
1: yes, I don't know. James maybe you're Carvel having dementia because
0: you you know misspoke.
1: <laughs> no, but I caught myself. James <laughs> Carvel is hysterical. Now I don't agree with him politically. He's yeah, you know, he's a he's a, a funny uh, guy.
0: He's very he quick witted.
1: Funny, funny, brilliant yeah. man.
0: Yeah, he's very, very quick witted, and well. The funny thing is, is she is too. She's not quite as outwardly funny, but you know, you can see how the two of them found each other, like attracting, uh, attracted to each other, yes. because they're both so sharp. You know, yes, and so one of them can say something, the other one can, can you know, respond in like in kind, um, and it was you know, it's it was entertaining sometimes when they were um, on air together. They did, you know. I think there was times when they very intentionally weren't on air together, but they, but sometimes they were, and it was funny to see them interact, uh, and how they interacted. Yeah, definitely so.
1: entertaining, and and you know, she especially took a step back from politics once they started having children. Right. Um, and I think that's smart because you know you need to have harmony in the home. There is something to be said uh, for putting your family first. Yeah. Um, you now he has been he's been a commentator like uh, during the twenty sixteen. Uh, election, mm-hmm. you'd find him pop up. You know, yeah, seen less of him over about...
0: the years, though, too.
1: Yes, well, he was an ally of the Clintons. He worked for the right? Clinton. So he would pop up and talk about you know things that he would do differently in the Clinton campaign, and she sure. she obviously didn't listen to him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She probably uh, should have, um, but yeah, he 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 was uh, he was definitely one of Bill's guys. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it's an interesting political season, and, uh, you know, will continue to be over time, I guess. So,
1: so Newser is reporting that Borat is back. That's uh, Sacha Sasha, yeah. Sasha Barrett-Cohens. Um, he's filmed a sequel to his 2006 film, Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit of Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan and Amazon Mm -hmm. plans to release that before the election, so that should be any day now. The streaming giant confirmed Tuesday that it has acquired worldwide rights to the film. Uh, It's reportedly titled Borat, Gift of Pornographic Monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. That's a long name.
0: It is. Yeah, it's going to be called Borat (laughs) 2. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Reports have steadily accumulated about the project... Uh, throughout the summer, and it was filmed, apparently, in secret during the pandemic. So, um,
0: Borat el know. Duce. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, it'll be entertaining. It'll be very left-leaning, and it'll be entertaining, yeah. but I'll probably watch it.
0: Yeah, I probably <laughs> won't because I didn't find it. That I'm not a fan of his humor, and so I didn't watch the first one very much. I, You know, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it and went, yeah, it's not for me. And so, fine. I get what <laughs> he likes to he do to do, and I respect the humor, but it just it's not mine, not my thing, you know.
1: Speaking so. of, of interesting shows, there's a there's a follow up. I'm going to call it a mockumentary um, about uh, Carol Baskin and the Tiger King, and and it's all of these people on the periphery of the story mm-hmm. talking. I mean, it's essentially them gossiping and trying to <laughs> to get yeah. you know make themselves important. Sure. It's it. it Tobin and I were watching this, going, "This is garbage." Because nobody who's actually in the know for anything is in the show.
0: Yeah, they're all just you know? ma- making stuff. Well, I think maybe she could be doing this. It's, who knows? It's all
1: the hangers on.
0: Who yeah.
1: Wanted, who wanted some notoriety. It was really um, yeah. it was really bad. Did you that watch her on Dancing with the it. Stars? No. I, I don't really like that show. But yeah. Was she, I, it, was she, is she gone already?
0: Yeah, she just got voted off uh, this week. Um, I can
1: she's a good dancer.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, she's she's an elderly lady who's, you know, I mean, she like I mean, she's you know a little overweight and, and not the most flexible bendy person in the world and you know i mean that's not what her job is that's not what she you know makes her her living doing um and and so so she just seemed very stiff the first time the second time out she actually improved quite a bit and uh and was moving okay And i was like okay you know she probably moves about the way i would move frankly i mean i'm no not bendy or flexy either in any way <laughs> shape or form you know um and uh and you know i you know you, you look at that and you go like well the, you know but for the grace of god there go i you know yeah, and she right? um and uh or maybe for 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 common sense cuz clearly people who are on the, those shows want to be seen and want to be you know in the news
1: Right, they
0: chosen that yeah and so um you know, and she did okay, but you know, she was. It was clear that she and um, the other one that was clearly just not going to be around very long was um, Charles Oakley, the former basketball player for the New York Knicks. Um, first of all, he's like six foot nine, and his dance par- partner is like five foot, you know, four. So that made it difficult. It's very difficult to to interact and dance with somebody when they're you know a foot and a half shorter than you. Um, but he also just was. Clumsy in his motions and movements, and you—it's funny, you know. When you watch those shows, you can tell. Like the first night, you can say, "Well, some of these people, you know, they could practice and try all they want, but they're they're just not—they don't have the fluid motion and movement of a dancer, Um, and it would take them years to get there." Whereas other people come in, and you can say, "Okay, well, they've clearly moved around before." You know, especially when they get these guys from boy bands, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you you made your your bones as right. a musician, but let's face it, half of your gig was to to move around and in sync with music, in sync, get it. Ar, ar. But um, heart, heart. but you know, and, and so you know that they're going to do reasonably well just because they made a living doing something sort of like that. Yes.
1: Well, it's like the the and I forgot the actor's name who plays who played Carlton on The Fresh Prince. He got to oh, huh? start as a dancer, like he yeah, on a, a dance contest with michael jackson i think yeah he's doing the
0: chris paul commercials now
1: yes and 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 he's 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 wildly entertaining um and really a great Mm -hmm. dancer and it was not at all surprising that he did well on the show
0: exactly right yeah yeah and and some of these people especially the ones that are in entertainment you know they may be a musician or they may be an actor but uh, most of those people when they were growing up took dance they took acting they took voice. They took, you know, they, they, they trained and all that stuff for essentially their entire youth and probably most of their young adulthood. Um, and so they're reasonably good at all of those areas, much more so than, than, you know, somebody who spent their life, you know, trying to rescue tigers, uh, you know, and sometimes the athletes come in and the athletes are, you know, they have a certain body awareness just because of their sport, but, uh, you know, to get somebody who's in his mid sixties, Retired basketball player, and then partner them with somebody who's you know <laughs> the size of his you know thumb um, is, <laughs> and I'm not saying they had much of a choice because there aren't a lot of dancers that are you know female dancers that are six foot tall, so you know maybe a rocket is as close as you could get. I don't know if there's any rockettes that are, are professional dancers on the show, but uh, um, you know he, did, he just stacked stacked against him. That's all I could say. Stacked against him wasn't fair. So, yeah. And, and I say I don't watch the show carefully. It's, it's one of those shows. In my house, we have shows that I watch. And then we have shows that are on and I am present. <laughs> my yeah. wife controls the remote more than I do in our house. If I so want to watch what I want to watch. Channel, you are, you right. And, and that's on a lot at our house. And And so, you know, if I want to spend time with her, or have a conference. I'll sit down in there and we'll talk a little bit while that's on in the background. Or I will sit there and I will read something on my phone. Or a, I have books usually there that I'll pick up and read um, while something is on. So I'll be peripherally aware of what's uh, of a lot of shows that I I don't watch, but they're there and I kind of am, I'm aware. You know, you love Outlander, right? I do. I know more about Outlander than I care to. Um, I, <laughs> I you know I don't really care for it all that much, but it, there are parts of it that aren't bad and you know and it's on they've been going through an outlander because i think aren't they getting ready to release a new season in another a short period of time
1: i I don't know i don't know how long this droughtlander is going to be yeah Last time with no outlander but i i i don't know if i had stumbled across the show um before i read the series i don't know that i would be as into it i mean it's 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 well told and all of that but Mm -hmm. um i love the books so i'm passionate about the books. And then I love seeing the portrayal of the books on the, on the screen, but I don't know if I hadn't read the books, if I would feel the same way.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. well, yeah. And, and obviously I didn't read the books. And so, but my wife did read the books and uh, you know, and I guess there are what season five and um, you know, the books, I, there's more than five seasons worth of books. So, so they've got a ways yes. to go. I, you know, it's for me, like I said, it's the thing that's on when I'm in the room sometimes, They've been doing a um, an Outlander-a-thon, uh, 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 and yes. so they started with season one this weekend, I think, and they're basically just playing them all that have been made thus far, and I thought maybe it was because they're getting ready to release-, release another season, but I don't know that. Um, let's see. I don't, I don't know. Probably that. not, because the, the, the 2020 season was released in February, so it probably won't be till after the end of the, the beginning of the year, rather. Well, and all the-
1: filming was halted everywhere.
0: True. So we don't even know how much of it's in the can versus how much of it's still sitting on a script that hasn't been filmed yet. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big question mark, too. So who knows? And that's affecting everybody's favorite shows. I'm watching a show. I know you're probably not a huge fan of it. I started watching a show, and I binged nine out of the ten episodes, and the tenth episode won't be released until uh, Friday, the uh, second of October. Um, but it's called... Um, uh, raised by wolves and it's a ridley scott science fiction story set 130 years or 150 years in the future and uh there's been a huge battle on earth and earth is no longer inhabitable and so two different groups send people off to uh kepler 23b some planet that they found that is habitable and um assuming that we you know at this point in time we don't know that but 130 or 150 years in the future maybe we will and the idea is is that there's one group of people who are atheists who essentially lost the war on earth and they sent two androids to raise embryos and so they sent embryos out there and these two androids raise these children and then there is the people who worship soul and they are coming with a an arc ship to the same planet and the arc ship comes much slower so the others are there for 12 years before the others the, the 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 people show up but it's you know in a new planet do they continue to have the biases that they had before will they continue to the war that destroyed the earth you know what what will happen Uh, There's lots of plot twists and turns and and people who turn out to be somebody that they're not or that you didn't think they were, including androids that are things that you didn't think they were. And uh, it's just it's it's an interesting twist on a lot of things. And it's one of those uh, dystopic futures that doesn't fall. What I like about it is it's not a story that I've like, oh, I've heard this basic story before. This one has a lot of twists and turns and the premise is set up differently than. That which I have seen, because I've seen a lot of this kind of stuff.
1: It sounds very, very interesting, and I will check it out. What's it called?
0: It's called Raised by Wolves. It's on HBO, HBO Max.
1: So with that, we are actually over time.
0: <gasps> I'm sorry. I know you got to get to work, and I just kept on babbling on about this, no, and you politely let me it do good. it. Thank and you very much.
1: So, so uh, yeah, it was it was good. So um, I'm Aaron Brinker,
0: and I'm Todd Brinker. Thanks for joining us.
1: Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.